Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventure's pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Here on Hot Takes on a Plate, we explore the things that make us feel and how those feelings collide with food. I'm Rob Patron, and today I am feeling frustrated. I'm frustrated because after what felt like us moving forward as a country, we are once again moving backwards. And my guest today, uh, it's funny, we, we basically were working on similar projects, different mediums at the at, at beginning of all of this pandemic stuff uh, in March of, of 2020. I was stockpiling interviews with restaurateurs and people connected to the industry for a documentary. And my guest today, Howie Kahn, was getting these interviews in real time and putting them out pretty much instantaneously for a, a podcast he was doing, Takeaway Only. Uh, and it was it was daily for a while. And so I thought Howie would be a great person to talk to today as it pertains to restaurants and the Delta variant and the road we're going down with COVID once again. Howie, thanks for coming on. Um, first, uh, I want to talk about that project takeaway only in a little bit, but I want to start with um, where we are right now with, with restaurants and the Delta variant and, you know, New York, obviously not that long ago is about a week ago announced that, you know, restaurants are going to start to require proof of vaccination. Um, you know, the, the, the fear right now is that, you know, how all this is going to affect restaurants that, that we're, we're just coming back alive. So kind of what are, what are your thoughts right now with this, this, what feels like, I don't know about you. It feels like a little bit of March, 2020 creeping in again. It definitely feels creepy. It definitely feels, uh, crappy and it's definitely not fun. March, 2020 was such a strange time. None of us had any idea what was coming to what degree was the world going to end was i think the question we we started asking and now 18 months later we're now seeing you know a variation on the same question so i i think you're right to say you know we're on the precipice of another of another unknown and unknown for how we interact with each other and unknown for businesses and unknown certainly again for restaurants i think the good news if i can talk about good news uh, right now is that restaurants do have some idea how to get through something like this there have been other blueprints that have been made. There's carryout businesses, there's markets, there's prepared foods, there's gold belly, um, all kinds of intuitive and ingenious um, bandages and solutions and new businesses. So in that respect, I can at least 
feel that perhaps um, restaurants aren't as fucked as they were last time. Yeah, but I think what's so frustrating about all of this is that what makes it different is that last time there was nothing any of us could have done. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was just there was there was a pandemic and this oh. was all new. And mm-hmm. this time there was something there was a lifeline. We had this thing called vaccines. And and that's what allowed us to, to return to normalcy. It was what was allowing us to have that hot vac summer at the beginning of the, of the summer and and people returning to normal. But we did it on an honor code and some people did not hold up their end of the bargain. And and it allowed for a Delta variant to come along and to and to spread like wildfire. And it's just frustrating now because some of us have done the right thing, but we feel like we're being punished. So you're talking to somebody who was exposed to COVID on Sunday, me and oh, my wow. whole family, me and my whole family. So we're home and uh, I have two young children who have to, you know, legit be quarantined for a longer period of time than vaxxed people. I count myself amongst the vaccinated people, but yeah, I mean, I've literally in the last day just rolled back into this world of talking about things like quarantine and um, getting the masks back on. So yeah, there is a, there is a punishment factor that's going on um, as a result of a sector of this population being uh, arrogant, asinine, and, and irresponsible, and a lot of people are going to suffer from it. Yeah, I'm actually working on a piece right now. It, it'll probably be out by the time this podcast drops for Esquire about sort of the new rules of, of dining out. And so much of it is just based in common courtesy and decency. And that seems <sighs> to be lacking right now because, you know, not to turn this into a total bitch fest, but like, <laughs> you know, like, look, if you don't want to get vaccinated, just stay home. Like, just mm-hmm. don't, don't go out. And and look, yeah. if you, if, if you know... Also, like, show some 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 understanding and empathy for what these restaurants are going through because so many of them, you know, compounding. You know, at the beginning of this, it was really about COVID, and now mm-hmm. it's not just about COVID. It's the fact that a lot of them can't they 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 can't employ enough people for for myriad reasons. They're they're short staffed. Also, their their cost of goods has gone up. And nobody wants to pay more for anything. And it's like, it's just making, it's basically shining a light on things that were already a problem in the restaurant industry, but, but it's exposed them so much more. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard to hire right now. I think every restaurant meal, you know, I've had during, you know, the two weeks of hot vac summer, hot vax two weeks, hot weeks, hot vax fortnight, I guess. It was Um, a hot vax quickie. Yeah. Hot vax quickie. Um, You know, every restaurant manager and owner I talked to was talking about how understaffed they were to the point where people were bringing in family members from other states to work certain stations to they just kind of figured out how to run things with two people on the floor and guests have to be essentially, you know, good sports and good stewards, um, which was kind of fine with me. I don't expect by any means to go eat anywhere right now and for it to just feel like, you know, it did in 2019. But some people do. 2020. Yeah. I mean, I I think that was actually one of the problems with restaurants in, in the first place is people kind of do expect this, this sameness, right. Where you treat people a certain way, there's a sort of 
you know, servant client relationship. Maybe you're nice, maybe you're not. Some people decide whether or not they leave a tip at the end. I don't know. I mean, I think for some people, restaurants have always been a wonderful place to be their best selves. And I think for a different group of people, restaurants have always been a place to flash power and act like an ass and kind of hold this idea of 20% over somebody's head. Am I going to tip them, you know, the whole time? Is is being in a restaurant a, a test, right? I mean, I, I think there's always been a couple different ways of, of experiencing a restaurant. And something tells me, you know, those people who are thinking about how much to tip the entire meal are the same people who probably aren't getting that jab in, in their arm. You know, what? one of the things I, I, I found interesting about your, your podcast takeaway only that you did, you know, at the very beginning of the pon- pandemic through, uh, uh, you know, however many months it was, was that you had a very diverse group of guests. In yeah. the, you know, you, you had national, international, different mm-hmm. backgrounds, fine dining, fast casual, media, different races. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. when, when, you, when you talk to such a diverse group of people about the same topic. Was there a through line you found with these diverse characters as it pertained to what we're all dealing with and what the restaurant industry is dealing with? I mean, one of the through lines was certainly hustle. Everybody was was working really hard to survive and everybody was working really hard to stay afloat from a business perspective and from a mental health point of view and, you know, dealing with things that they never expected to be dealing with. And that wasn't, you know, even exclusive to pandemic. You know, we were talking about things like, um, racial justice and, um, fair treatment of, of workers and restaurants, or, you know, in the case of Kamal Muzawak, who was, you know, the last episode, of takeaway only, we were talking about, you know, is his hometown of, of Beirut basically exploding, you know, in, in that huge explosion. Um, I don't remember if it happened last July or, or August. So I, I think, you know, the common thread was everybody was confronting something terrible and just kind of trying to do their best. It was, you know, incredibly uplifting and depressing at the same time to, to do that, that show, you know, at, at the frequency with which we did it, which was daily for a long time. I, I don't know how you did it. I mean, I, cause like I said, I was working on a, a similar project, but I wasn't putting my, my content out right away. Yeah. I, was, I was stockpiling it for a documentary and, you know, I found it emotionally draining and it was, it was, it was, it was draining, but I, I definitely didn't feel like I had any, any right to be, drained. And in fact, I, I kind of felt like I owed a debt to, um, you know, this community whose stories had kind of provided a livelihood essentially. For, oh no, totally. For, for me and my family. For That's for exactly years. how I felt. Exactly. You know, I, I felt like I, I probably rode the greatest wave of prosperity in the history of the hospitality business to be able to um, establish a career, you know, telling some of those stories. And, and I just felt like, you know, shit, you know, these, this, this industry is now, now in, in deep, like now's not a time to stop talking and, 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 uh, also adrenaline is a really powerful thing. And I think that's how yes. a lot of these business owners move through this, this pandemic. It's, it's just kind of you, you, um, flip on that, that emergency switch. And I think you can either go, you know, it can go in a couple of directions. One, you could be crippled by fear and, and panic. And the other one is you just kind of do more than you ever thought you could. No, totally. But you still have to feel the other one. 
You know what I mean? You can't ignore the fear and panic. If you do that, if you turn that off, then the adrenaline kind of leaves you in a really crappy, in a bad place at the end, I think. No, I, I bring up that that feeling of, of just like emotionally draining because I know, like I heard multiple people at the beginning of this tell me about your podcast, people in the industry mm-hmm. who found it very cathartic to listen to. And I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to listen to your podcast till much later because I, it was what I was consuming doing my own work was too much. Like yeah. I could, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to sort of consume more of that. It was like, it was like doom scrolling on 11, you know, like it was just yeah. so, so powerful. But I'm wondering if you, in, in that, in those moments and during that time period, if you felt almost like you were, you know, I don't want to use this 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 term too loosely, but almost like you were playing a little bit of therapist, like people felt like they needed to get it off their chest. I think I've always felt like that throughout my entire career. I don't think that's exclusive to, to this this moment. I think I've. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of people who have ended up in in tears during or after an interview with me. And it, it's it's, um, you know, I'm not mean. I'm not strong arming anybody, but I, I, I think people very rarely get a chance to pause and analyze and find and speak their truth. So I, you know, I think in, in this instance, you know, I'm very pro therapy. So if, you know, if I can get close to that with anybody, that's a tremendous honor. And I also, you know, it was like, it was cathartic for me too. I just wanted to hear what was going on. I just wanted to hear what was happening in different parts of the country and what the issues were. And and my hope was always that, you know, if we could put together all these problems almost in in one place, then we'd have a a toolkit um, from which to find solutions. So it was a way of organizing um, a certain moment in time in, in hopes that, you know, lessons would be taken from it to avoid problems in, in the future. And those problems could be behavioral, they could be financial, they could be institutional. I, I thought it would be interesting to look back on it all one day too and think like, look how far we've come. You know, that Hopefully. was the optimistic, you know, the, the optimistic part of me. But I mean, there were certain days, you know, like we put out the show you know, daily and then weekly and and then, you know, a little less than that towards the end. But, you know, there were days where I would do five or six interviews in a day. I was wondering just... <laughs> about that, like, because like the, the how the production works, because I yeah. think a lot of people don't realize sort of the machine behind stuff like this, like just yeah. booking guests. And these are people mm-hmm. who are in normal yeah. times busy. But now you're talking about they're trying to save their businesses kind mm-hmm. of busy and to line mm-hmm. up that many guests and guests of that caliber. I mean, you have, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's a diverse group, but there's a lot of big names in there as well. And and to be able to, to produce it at that clip and to do it like, you know, usually when you're producing something like that, there's a big run up to it. You mm-hmm. know, you're, you're talking about months and months of planning, you know, mm-hmm. but the pandemic kind of kind of hit us in the face. So like, when did, when did the idea come about and how quickly was that just sort of turned around? I mean, the idea came up immediately. It was, it was, um, it was pretty instantaneous, you know, as soon as restaurant, I, I forget the date, maybe it was March 13th or 14th or something like that. Um, so March 13th, 14th is when you have the idea. When did, when did you, you, you put out your first episode? The trailer was March 19th and the first episode was March 20th, which I think was a Friday. I mean, that's an incredible turnaround, Howie. And then we started going, yeah, then we started going daily on March 23rd and we went daily. 
probably through May. That's all consuming. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a I have this podcast production company and our clients were kind of spread around the world too. And, you know, all our productions were shut down. So I had nothing but time. I have to work. I, I'm right. not like, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, cool. Like now's like, you know, time for me to assess and take stock and like- Take up jigsaw puzzles. That probably would have been the smart thing to do is like to sit down and like really, you know, evaluate strategy and like to take a breath. But I am- I, I just realized this, it was a moment for news and it was an urgent moment. And that probably made the booking easier than it would have been in, in this sort of normal environment where people have all their other commitments and chefs True. have to go to the X, Y, and Z food festival in seven different countries before they can come back and talk to you. Everybody was in place, right? Nobody was out. People were home. People were on their phones. People were really wanting to connect. So in a way, some of those things that traditionally make production and booking especially really hard, were all gone because everybody's calendar blew up. No, totally. So so they say, you know, we're if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. So yeah. at this point, what have we learned? What what how do, how do we save restaurants right now? Like what is what is the path going forward with with what's going on right now? I don't know. I mean, we, I don't think we've, we've had this in place long enough for there to be sort of the recovery. I know there's a lot of effort again, going into lobbying and trying to get federal funding um, with getting something like 48 billion more dollars for restaurant protection. It's not that that's not like the long-term fix. I, I think unfortunately relying on the federal government for, for anything is, is a horrible mistake. Right. So what I hope is is that restaurateurs are are able to find money in in different ways and to figure out how to be sustainable with dollars they can access without going through a lobbying, legislative, bill making, lawmaking process. It's a little scary. So you know, there's money out there for the taking. I, I just hope you know people are able to find it in in sort of smarter, more efficient ways. So I've had a lot of people in the industry tell me this sort of you know, like inside conversations. And it, it, I think it, when you first hear it, it, it can be a little jarring. It may not sound like the most positive message, but I've had a lot of people in the industry tell me there's probably too many restaurants and that that's part of the problem. And, and as nice as it is to, to want to save every single one of them, you know, the thing about restaurants is not everybody who opens a restaurant went to culinary school or, or, you know, like, has a business acumen like like anyone with a little bit of uh, with a loan or seed money can open a restaurant and some people probably maybe that's not probably the best career path i mean do you think that maybe there are too many restaurants do you think there's any truth in that i have no idea i mean i've always you know i live in new york city and there's thousands and thousands of restaurants and i've always wondered in the you know the 20 years i've lived here how do all these places survive and and you're right i mean maybe you know there's a point in which there are too many, but I don't know who gets to decide that. I mean, it's a, it's a free market economy and people who are able to be successful should and, and will stay open. And look, I mean, the businesses that are destined to fail will probably just fail a bit quicker now. You know, I mean, the restaurants historically didn't stay in business for that long anyways. I mean, there's always, you know, these celebratory magazine spreads about restaurants who have stayed open for like 20 years or 25 years, 30 years, 50 years. Most most restaurants I don't think get to year three. It's always, it's always been like that. So there's always been 
too many restaurants and there's always been new restaurants that have opened and there's always been sort of this evolutionary process that seeds the ones that are destined for um, extinction to become, you know, extinct. You know, what's really interesting to me is that... Um, but who's who's going to say like, okay, there can only be 500 restaurants in New York? No, 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 no. I don't think that... I don't think it's... I, I mean, again, these are restaurant people who <laughs> have come really, to me. That's really no, dark. But these, but these are restaurant people who have come to me and said that, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, people off the street. It's people in the business right. who have who have succeeded saying, hey, like maybe there's just too many and it's a saturated market and, you know, this will kind of like work that out a little quicker. But it is interesting because... I know at the beginning of this pandemic, I mean, we've never faced anything like this before. And there was such doomsday sort of thought process going on that like we could lose 50, 60, 70, 80% of our restaurants. And that hasn't been the case. But my question to you is, is it premature to, you know, throw up the pom-poms and say, look, look how resourceful restaurants have been. Yay. Because I think what a lot of people are not thinking about is, yeah, maybe, maybe the worst of the pandemic is over. Maybe let's hope fingers crossed. But like now we're talking about things like maybe some restaurants had deferred payments that now bills are coming due. And, and we're talking about already labor shortages and we're talking about you know, increased prices for goods. And there's just a whole mess in the wake of this that I think people aren't realizing. I'm very curious though, how many restaurants before this ones that we went into that, you know, have a good time and eat something cool and new, we're kind of always operating on the brink of their own elimination anyways, right? I wonder how flawed the business model was before this and how this can be kind of a wake-up call to run a better kind of business in a time when there aren't so many external obstacles. I do think who knows what's coming, right? Who knows what's next? There's Delta, there's Lambda, the world is on fire. The climate report that came out yesterday is not promising. In but terms half the country of, doesn't believe any of it. That's the problem. We're not all on should, the same page. It's, they, it's, should have, they, they should have their own <laughs> restaurants or, or maybe their punishment is they should have no restaurants. They get their, you know, I, the thing that's blown me away with this whole vaccination thing is like, why are you getting your information from like a Facebook meme or something? Like, go talk to your doctor. Like, like if your doctor said you need hip surgery, would you say, no, nah, no, nah, I don't believe it. Like, no, you just go get hip surgery. Like, just go ask your freaking doctor. What blows me away too is, is when you turn on the TV and you see doctors talking about the dangers of vaccinations or nurses. I read some story in the journal yesterday about a, a nurse whose both, both of her parents died because they weren't vaccinated, they died of COVID, and she still refuses to get the vaccine. So I don't, I do not know what is going I don't, through, I don't. you know, the mind of a person like that. I just, I don't, I don't know. Other than that, person is putting the rest of us in in danger. Yes. And, um, proposing that viruses like this one just exist in perpetuity. But freedom, but freedom, Howie. America has a freedom problem, problem. Yeah, I, I look, I I do wonder with this if it's going to be a situation where the rich get richer and the mom and pops have bigger hurdles to face when it comes to the restaurant industry. I think that's that's a legitimate fear. We saw it with the PPP loans and the money grab and you know, a lot of these a lot of these restaurants that that cried at the beginning of this that they that they were going to go extinct and then all of a sudden you look around the corner and they're opening new restaurants and they're fine yeah. and they've always been yeah. fine and they have they have plenty of investment money and and you mm-hmm. do wonder if if that's where we're going with all of this. 
I get pitched so many stories by, you know, giant restaurant groups and, and they're like, we just opened our 37th restaurant during the pandemic. And I'm just like, no, man, like <laughs> good, good, good for you. But I, at the same time, I have to say, if you're curious and if you're really looking around and if you care about food and diversity in, in the food system, there's been a way to learn more about what's out there in the mom and pop world during the last 18 months than maybe there ever has before. People have found ways to amplify their voices and certain members of the media have really stepped up to tell interesting stories. And the definition of what a restaurant is, I think, is changing and and will continue to change. It's almost like, you know, that that moment in the early aughts where suddenly there were food trucks and everyone's like, oh my God, I can get the most delicious Korean, well, like Roy Choi, right? I can get the most delicious Korean burrito in the world from a food truck. And it blew everybody's mind. And, and I think everybody thought that was like a special fun thing to do. But what it also is, is it's kind of an economic solution to continue to provide delicious um food to people who who care about it. So how we get our food, who we get it from, what a restaurant is. I mean, is is eating inside ever going to really feel safe again? Like how long is it going to be until that's like, that's a great idea. Let's all go have dinner in a crowded restaurant with who knows who. Or is it, you know, I'm going to want to eat outside forever and I'm going to want to seek my food, on, you know, at a picnic on Governor's Island or from a truck in a parking lot in Queens. I don't know. But you I'm, see... I'm, I'm looking just, for different things. But you see, this is, that's it. This, there's no, I find this so hard now when I try to write something. Yeah. Is that I'm no longer speaking to a broad audience. Like, because there's two realities out there. Like what you just described, how, you know, when you said, you know, are we going to want to go eat indoors at a crowded restaurant? Well, yes, half the country thinks that is totally fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that, even if you're unvaccinated. Like, yeah. like it's it's we're, we're in such different realities right now. Yeah, yeah. I still want to be super careful. I want to be careful for my family. I want to be careful for the health and safety of everybody who works in these places. But I, I, I still want these businesses to have an opportunity to exist. You know, I'm, I, I don't want to see this wipe out. 500 restaurants, 600 restaurants at a time or, or whatever. We're still in a dangerous place, I think is, is the bottom line. I, I think. No, we totally are. And look, I think one of the things that, 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 you know, from a storytelling standpoint made me so interested in this story is that it's a story that just felt like at, tw at March, 2020, it was like the ultimate lose, lose, like restaurants yeah. were being faced with this, this decision of it's either economic extinction or potential harm and death you know, from an illness and neither was a good option. And right. now it's just so frustrating because look, if people really care about restaurants and I think it's restaurants are sort of a unifying thing. I don't care where you stand politically. I think everybody enjoys eating out. I think that's pretty universal. Mm -hmm. And, and if you really care about saving restaurants, get vaccinated. It's like the quickest or, or stay home. Like that is it. Like it's that simple. Like you want to keep restaurant workers safe. You want to, um, you know, keep the, because here's the thing, if people are worried, this is the thing that drives me nuts. People talk about their freedom and they worry about lockdowns and mask mm. mandates. Well, if you just got vaccinated, you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. Like the reason this stuff is coming back is because not enough people got vaccinated. Yeah, it's true. I mean, what you what you're saying is is 100% true and what's what's going to happen i mean you could you could start producing your documentary all over again 86 that's, it doesn't two. it doesn't have an ending that's the you know? we 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 did an epilogue we so so yeah. we basically like you felt like we had to just sort of stop 
doing those interviews at some point because it would just yeah. go on forever. And so we stopped recording interviews around September of 2020, right when New York City opened back up for indoor dining. And then mm-hmm. we realized we, we didn't really have a clear ending. And so we shot sort of like an epilogue this spring when it was the hot vac summer feelings were there. And it mm-hmm. felt like we had our ending and then Delta came along and it's like, God Damn it. Like, but it's funny because I was talking to Andy Nusser, you know, of Casamono and and he um, he said something even in that moment uh, in the epilogue where he said, you you know, even though we're vaccinated and this feels great, you don't know what the next variant that's going to come along. And it was like he was seeing into the future. He was seeing Mm -hmm. straight into the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I think. um, Dealing with a pandemic, dealing with, you know, germs and microbes and. The spreading of things you you cannot see it's it's very sci-fi but it's also very real you know this is this is where we are so vaccinated yeah you know utmost care with with all contact with other humans absolutely you know i think that the vaccine passport that's going to go into effect in new york city in mid-september is a tremendous step forward and, you know, a real kind of showing of the kind of leadership that's going to be essential in, in hopefully getting us onto something better. But, you know, I, again, I was exposed on Sunday. I'm sitting here, you know, at home. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm home. I can't go anywhere right now. You know what I mean? Because I care about it because I care about other people. And it's frustrating because people who care about other people feel like they're being punished by people who don't. And that's, that's, I think that's where we're at now is there's this anger. But at the same time, like I know what the right thing to do is like, I was supposed to go out. I had great dinner plans for tonight, Rob. I was going to, I was going to go out with a friend. We were going to eat delicious yakitori, something like that. Yeah. Right. Something I cannot cook at home. Something my cooking's got really good during the pandemic. Something I have not mastered. Something I'm not going to say, Oh, I, I can do this. I can't do that. I haven't studied that my entire life. And guess what? I can't go. Um, which so is the right sorry. thing to do. It's not, but again, like I, I think, you know, speaking from where I am, like, you know, if you still, if you think something's wrong, like just stay home for a few days, then go back out, spend your, spend your money and be around as many vaccinated as, as possible. But it's just like, do the right thing for everybody. Always. Empathy is always the way to go. Howie. Listen, it's been great chatting with you. Is there any um, projects you want to share with anyone before I let you go? I, we're producing a bunch of uh, excellent podcasts right now. Uh, freetimemedia.world, uh, free time podcasts on Instagram. Check out what we're doing. We'll probably swing back around to the restaurant space too at, at, at some point soon too. Awesome. Well, Howie, thanks so much. And thank you for listening to Hot Takes on a Plate. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating. Five stars, of course. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.